This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, unlike last night when I had tons of time in my hands, tonight's time is almost non-existent. So it's straight to 1951 for an episode of Dimension X entitled Universe. Adventures in Time and Space. Transcribed in Future Tense. Dimension In the beginning, there was Jordan, thinking his lonely thoughts. Out of the loneliness came a longing. Out of the longing came a vision. Out of the dream came a planning. And out of the planning came decision. Jordan's hand was lifted, and the ship was born. Are you all right? Yes, it missed me. What was it? A mutant with a slingshot. I think it dashed down that passageway. You want to go after it? We never catch it, Alan. It's probably 12 decks above us by now. I didn't think they ever came down this far. Patrols usually get them before they reach this level. Uh, they get more daring with each generation. This one looked like a female. Male or female, it might have killed us. I told you this trip was pure foolishness. Climbing 24 deck levels to hear a crazy old man rave. We're almost there now. Compartment X-15, level 24. This is the place. This area smells as if it hadn't been visited by a sanitation crew for generations. This part of the ship is almost deserted. Yes? This is the compartment of John the Witness. Who are you? My name is Hugh Hoyland. I'm a cadet from the scientist barracks. This is my friend, Alan Mahoney. What do you want of John the Witness? Only to talk. Are you a believer in Jordan? Naturally. I have heard that there are those among the younger scientists who doubt the word of Jordan. To doubt is death. We're not heretics. <sighs> Enter. I have brought a gift of tobacco, grown on the richest level. It smells good. I assure you it's the best. Wait here. What a rat's nest. What the devil do you think he can tell you? I don't know. Now hush. Well? You are John the Witness? I am. Good eating to you. I am Hugh Hoyland. This is my friend, Alan Mahoney. So what brings a gentleman of the scientist class to my humble apartment? I have heard that you and your parents before you have long been keepers of the legend of the ship. Since Jordan gave the word. I am anxious to hear the word as Jordan spoke it. Why? You see, 
Among the young scientists, there have been some who talk against the word. Uh, regulations against such heresy? Some of them say the ship has no purpose. They say, they say that we're here accidentally. That, that we have no more grace in Jordan's eyes than the most deformed mutant who dwells in the highest level of the ship. What shall I say to you? I wish to hear the word from the mouth of one who knows that I may become more convinced. Sir, you have gift for the witness? The finest tobacco. Good. I will dim the light. Now, pay close attention... For these are the words as my father's father's father gave them to his son's son's son. This is how the ship came into being. How our people were created. In the beginning, there was only Jordan thinking his lonely thoughts. In the beginning, there was darkness formless and dead. Out of the loneliness came a longing. Out of the longing came a vision. Out of the dream came a planning. And out of the planning came decision. Jordan's hand was lifted and the ship was born. Mile after mile of good compartments Tank after tank for golden corn, ladder and passage, door and locker, fit for the needs of the yet unborn. He looked on his work and found it pleasing, meat for a race that was yet to be. He thought of man, and man came into being. Then Jordan checked his thought and searched for a key. Man untamed would shame his maker. Man unruled would spoil the plan. So Jordan made the regulations. Some to speak and some to listen. Order came to the ranks of men. Crew he created to work at their stations. Scientists to guide the plan. Over them all he created captain made him judge of the race of man. Thus it was in the golden age. These are the true words? As my father's father taught them. But what of the strange beast-like people on the upper levels of the ship? Surely Jordan did not create them. Jordan is perfect. All below him lack perfection. You have heard of the legend of Huff? I have heard that he mutinied against Jordan. Darkness swallowed the ways of virtue. Sin prevailed upon the ship. And before wisdom prevailed and the bodies of Huff and his followers were fed into the converter, some of the rebels escaped and lived to father the mutants. They are tainted with the sins of their fathers. One more question, witness. Speak. What is the ship? The ship is a great sphere. Twenty-five kilometers wide and one hundred levels deep. I know that, but what about the upper levels? The regulations forbid us to venture into the upper levels, but it is said that beyond the levels of the mutants lies the forbidden place where 
Jordan's spirit prevails. Uh, so I've heard. But something troubles me. Something which prompted my coming here. Yes, my son. What lies beyond the ship? What? What lies beyond the ship? This is Ellison. Answer me. I will not permit such talk. The ship is complete. The ship is universal. The ship is everywhere. The ship is everywhere. Ah, your mutterings are those of a frightened old man. They answer nothing. You question the world? I think you lie. Hear me, Mr. Highland. For what you have already said, I can have your body fed to the converter. Your soul launched on the endless trip. You threaten me. You, for Jordan's sake. You think I fear this dried fig of a man? You. Sir, my friend is impetuous. He doesn't understand. I might be persuaded to forget a substantial gift. You pig. You. Come on, Alan. The sight of this so-called holy man offends me. No, you shall not leave. Mark, don't try to frighten me with a gun, old man. Remain where you are, heretic. I warn you, put down the gun. No. No closer. Drop it. Very well, then. Death to the heretic. Alan, get him. Is he dead? I don't know. Come on, Hugh. We've got to get out of here. Now, where? We can't go back. They'd feed us into the converter. What's that? The old woman must have turned in an alarm. Come on, the patrol will be here in no time. Where can we go? The upper levels. But the mutants. We'll have to take our chance. Listen, that's the patrol we've got to climb. There's a hatchway. Down the corridor. Quickly. Hold the ladder. You wait. How far are we from the outside wall? Judging by the slope of the deck, about two miles. Mutant territory. Come on, we'll try this passageway. as if we're being watched. It's your imagination. Perhaps not. Oh! It's only a ship's rat. Get a grip on yourself. This is big as a dog. Come on. I can't drag myself much further. We've got to find a compartment with water. Oh, if only you hadn't asked him that stupid question. There's no use going over that. Why did you do it? Why? Alan, I've been thinking about it for a long time. And when he began to give me those stupid pat answers... Well, I just saw red, I guess. But who are you to question the ways of Jordan? When you asked me to go with you to visit the witness, I thought you wanted spiritual help. I never dreamed I'm sorry, you... Alan. I couldn't foresee this. I didn't know. It... Wait. Wait a minute. Now what? Another shipwright? No. I thought I saw something move near that bulkhead. I didn't see anything. Maybe my eyes are going bad still. Like so many of my people, he's rather impetuous where members of the so-called super race are concerned. Who are you? What place is this? 
As you can guess from my leg, I'm a mutant. Where is Alan? Your friend is dead. I was not able to restrain my people in time to save him. Why don't you destroy me and get it over with? We do not kill for pleasure, Mr. Hoyland. Only when necessary. You know my name? I read your identification tag. Who are you? Mutants can't read? My name is Gregory. I'm a leader of my people. Although we are unfortunate in our heredity, Mr. Hoyland, many of us are quite intelligent. Why do you live like animals? We would rather live like free animals than like regimented slaves, as you do. I've heard that you practice cannibalism. Undoubtedly, you hear many things about us. We raise our own cattle on the upper levels, and those of our people who choose to farm raise enough crops for our small population. You turn your head. Why? This one. I've never seen a creature like him. Bobo is an unfortunate. He was born without the power of speech. How can you tolerate a monstrosity? We have learned to live with difference. If we began to destroy our imperfects as you do on the lower levels, there would soon be no one left. It violates the regulations. The word of Jordan you states... You know, Mr. Hoyland, your people are really primitive and barbaric. You dare say that to me? I dare say a good deal more. Let us go to my compartment and speak further. I'm always interested in information of the lower levels. I won't give you any information. Oh, Bob. I want Mr. Hoyland in my cabin, please. Hey. Hey. I would advise you to go quietly, Mr. Hoyland. Bobo has a hatred of superior beings, which is unfortunate, but quite understandable. Proceed. Enter, Mr. Hoyland. This is where you live? Yes. But you have books. Stolen from your libraries, Mr. Hoyland. Compton's Astrophysics. The Philosophy of Interstellar Navigation. Celestial Mechanics. You have read these? Um, most of them. Why did you bring me here? What do you intend to do? Do you believe in Jordan, Mr. Hoyland? There is no other belief. And the trip? I suppose you believe in the trip, too. Well, what else is there to believe? When you die, your remains are fed to the converter, and your soul makes the trip. And where does the trip take you? Why, to Centaurus, of course. Huh? Well, what is Centaurus? Why, Centaurus, mind you, I'm just telling you the orthodox answer. Centaurus is where you arrive when you've made the trip. A place where everything is happy and everybody's happy and there's always good eating. It's mythological, of course. And you believe this? The peasants believe it, literally. But many of the younger scientists like myself know that it's figurative, symbolic. Why do you ask? Didn't it ever occur to you, Mr. Harlan, that the trip is exactly what your peasants believe it is? That the ship and all the crew were actually going someplace? Moving? The ship can't go anywhere. It already is everywhere. Imagine a place bigger than the ship, much bigger, with the ship inside it, moving inside. But there can't be any place bigger than the ship. There wouldn't be any place for it to be. Oh, for half's sake. Listen, you know the lowest level? 
Yes. If you started digging a hole in the lowest level, where would that hole go? Where would that hole? Oh. No, it's forbidden to think such a thought. Where would it go? No. No, I can't think about it. Bobo. Bobo, we're going to take Mr. Hoyland to the place. Where are we going? To the top level. But it's certain death. Nonsense. I've been there a thousand times. Come along. No, I won't. You can't make me. I think we can. Now, shall we proceed peacefully, or shall I have Bobo persuade you? Open the door, Bobo. Inside. place is this? This Mr. Hoyland is the main control room. Why, Mr. Hoyland, you're trembling. It isn't true. There is no such place except in mythology. Oh, you younger men are so wise, Mr. Hoyland, except for one thing. This happens to be the main control room of the ship. But it, it, it's nothing but a huge room with an instrument panel. What did you expect? How do you know this is the main control room? See these instruments? Using them, the navigator, many hundreds of years ago, actually steered the ship on its voyage. I don't understand. I didn't suppose you would. Your people have been so steeped in superstition and ignorance that the whole concept has lost its meaning. Sit in that chair. Don't be frightened. Sit down. Very well. Look up. What do you see? Nothing but a huge shield. Watch it for one moment, Mr. Hoyland. You are going to see something that few of us have ever been privileged to witness. Something so dazzling that you may find it hard to accept at first. But it is there. It is a reality. And ultimately, you must accept it. What are you doing? I'm dimming the lights. Don't be frightened. Keep your eyes focused on the shield above us. Ready? Watch. The shield! It's sliding back! Nothing but the ship. Ah, but there it is. You see it before your eyes, spread out like a canopy of glory. Do you still deny it? Answer me, Mr. Hoyland. Do you deny it? No. No, I can't. They lied. They lied. Why did you close the shield? You will see it again if you're not afraid. I'm not afraid. Many times. 
I've shown this to others of your people whom we captured, and though they saw it before their very eyes, they would not believe it. Tell me about it. Tell me about the ship, about the universe. What are these things? How did this come about? Many thousands of years ago, on a planet like those you've just seen, a planet called Earth, a scientist named Jordan decided to build a ship that would carry men from one planet to another. For many years, Jordan and thousands of others studied and planned. And when they were finished, they built the ship. A ship so large that it had to be assembled in its own orbit beyond a place called the moon. Sixty years it took them to construct. And when it was finished, a whole new science had been conceived. Then the trip was begun. The trip that was to land a colony of Earthmen on a far-off planet called Centaurus. Millions of light years beyond the furthest planet ever reached before. How do you know these things? Among my books are the log which Jordan himself kept and the records of the journey for the first 40 years. What happened? There was a mutiny. A man named Huff led a rebellion of those who wanted to turn back. In the struggle, the navigators were killed and the crew fell into a state of anarchy. In the years to follow, small groups of men tried to organize the ship for navigation and each time they failed. Finally, the whole idea was abandoned. And so for centuries, we have swung in space, unmanned, undirected, living in a lost world of our own making, without purpose, without direction. Why have you told me this? Why have you brought me here? You could have killed me. Can you guess? No. No, I can't. Unless... But it would be too fantastic. Well, you want to finish the trip. Yes, that's it. What would it take to do it? A miracle, almost. The crew would have to be trained. Many people, each skilled in a certain duty. Couldn't you train your own people? We are too few. Besides, the main drivers in the lower levels where my people are forbidden to go. No. It would mean that both our peoples would have to work together. Our differences encouraged rather than denied. It can be done. You showed me. You can show others. I can show them. Can you? I'll see the captain himself. I have an uncle on the central board. I'll tell him what I've seen here. And do you think he'll believe you? Send one of your people with me. That's asking a good deal. I'm risking a good deal by going back. Very well. Bobo will go with you. He can't talk. There will be no need for talk. I will write a message guaranteeing safe conduct for a group of unarmed scientists to visit the main control room. Bobo will take you safely through our territory. What happens when you reach your own level is up to you. One moment... Yes, what you... You... Quick, Uncle Edison. But this mutiny... is harmless, please. Now, what is this? You're wanted I know for... all about that. Listen, Uncle, I must see the captain. The captain? Are you mad? You're a council member. You can get me to see him. They'll kill you. You're wanted for heresy. I don't care. I must speak with the captain. You're close to him. You can arrange it. I don't understand why... Uncle, listen to me. The ship is moving. I can prove it. Do you understand there is a purpose in the ship? 
I don't understand what you're babbling Never about. Never mind. Just talk to the captain. Tell him I have information of tremendous importance. Tell him I've arranged a truce with the mutants. A truce? Here, show him this paper signed by their leader. Do it, Uncle, for my sake. I don't know. Please, I... Uncle. If I'm to die, let this be my last request to you. Very well. I'll speak to the captain. I'll try. And you say, Mr. Hoyland, that you saw this with your own eyes. I swear it, Captain. I swear it on the word of Jordan. Let me see that paper again. Hmm. What do you think, Commander Est? I don't know, sir. It might be a trick. I guarantee you safe conduct. If these things are as Mr. Hoyland reports them, we'd pay to risk a few lives. The man is a convicted heretic. Still, we mustn't discount his word entirely. He has a safe conduct. The mutant risked its life coming with him. I think we might investigate. You will do it. I'll have an expedition outfitted. Dismiss, Mr. Hoyland. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Captain, do you... Commander Erst. Sir. You'll make the necessary arrangements for an expedition. I trust you understand. Perfectly, sir. Perfectly. Lieutenant. Mr. Hoyland. You'd better halt your men here. This is the spot. Patrol, halt. I see no welcoming party of mutants. There will be none. Their leader will meet you inside the main control room. You don't say. And just where is this main control room? Beyond that door. I see. All right, men. Ready arms. Why do you ready arms? In case of ambush. Ambush? Don't you think they could have ambushed you on the way up here a good deal more easily? You know, Mr. Hoyland, I think you're a mutie lover. They have a place in the converter for that kind. Lieutenant, are you mad? No, Mr. Hoyland. But most certainly you are think that we could be lured up here to be slaughtered with a fantastic story about some mythical control room? Guns ready, sir. Lieutenant, I warn you, these people have acted in good faith. If you break Call that faith now... to open the control room, Mr. Horlick. No, not until those guns are dismounted. As leader of this expedition, I order you to call them. I refuse. You cannot do this thing. This is no way to keep a truce. Very well, if you refuse. Oh, there! Newton! Come out! For Jordan's sake, Lieutenant! Quiet for comfort. Mutant, open the door. Please, Jordan, don't let anything happen. Please don't. It's opening. Ready, man. Someone's coming out. Look at his leg. Horrible. Steady. I can't stand this. Look out. Gregory. No. You fools, you've killed him. Here come the rest of them. Fire. should teach them a lesson they won't forget. All right, men. Inside the room. Orlin, you're under arrest as a conspirator in this ambush. Ambush, you fool, you blind, stupid fool. That'll be enough. Have you been inside this place before? Yes. What's all this machinery? These are the controls he would have used to steer the ship. He's gone out of his mind, Lieutenant. Steer the ship? Who? The leader, the one you killed, 
This ugly mutant? This ugly mutant happened to be a man of true greatness. Your man. Am I? This man had a vision which could have saved you, but you chose to kill him because you couldn't stand the sight of his difference from you. I'll not listen to these ravings. Close your ears. Shut your minds against the conscience that tells you it's wrong to kill. That tells you that your need to be arrogant only proves your inadequacy to yourself. Shut him up. Don't listen to him, man. You can't shut your ears. My words sting you. You cannot shut your minds. And you cannot shut your eyes. Shut him. The roof. It's moving back. Look. Let the vision of this confound your ignorance and blind your eyes. This is the heritage you tried to stifle in your own breasts. This is the heritage of stars and open skies for which men have yearned for centuries. Try to destroy this, and you will only destroy yourselves. Death to the heretic. Kill me if you choose. But I say to you that this you cannot keep from our people, that they will seek it out, and the ship will be manned, and the ship will be steered, and there will be freedom and purpose and respect for ourselves. This is your heritage. Look upon the universe. Kill him! Kill You have just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of... Dimension X. This has been the concluding broadcast in the current series of Dimension X. If you are interested in the continuation of this series, please write and tell us so. Your ideas and suggestions will be given the most thoughtful consideration in determining the future of this program. Just drop a letter or postcard to Dimension X, care of NBC, Radio City, New York. Today, Dimension X has transcribed Universe, written for radio by George Lefferts and based on a story by Robert Heinlein. Featured in the cast were Mason Adams as Hugh and Peter Capel as Gregory. Your host was Norman Rose. Music by Bert Berman. Engineer, Bill Chambers. Sound created by Manny Siegel, Max Russell, and Wes Conan. Dimension X is produced by William Welch and directed by Edward King. Ed Archie Gardner tangles with Tallulah Bankhead on the big show. Stay tuned for Father Knows Best, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Robert Young to star in Father Knows Best, and a show that was first aired in 1950. Mother, is Maxwell House the best coffee in the whole world? Well, your father says so. And your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons, brought to you by Maxwell House, the coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. Maxwell House, always good. To the last drop. 
you get right down to it, life today can be pretty complicated. You can't simplify things the way Cervantes did when he wrote, There's a time for some things and a time for all things. A time for great things and a time for small things. If you wrote a thing like that today, you know what they'd say? They'd say, what kind of time? Daylight saving or standard? See what I mean? Life has become very confusing. And in Springfield, in the white frame house on Maple Street, the Andersons will probably confuse it still further. Like this. I don't know what's gotten into me lately. I keep yawning all the time. Yes, dear. Yes, I must be getting old. Yes, dear. Well, you don't have to agree with me. <laughs> Margaret. Hmm? Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry, dear. I guess I wasn't listening. I was just reading... Jim, you're not going to spread those maps all over the floor again. Why not? Because you disrupt the entire household. That's why not. And furthermore... Dad. Just a second, honey. What is it, bud? Is it all right if I wear your blue denim shirt? No, it isn't all right. Use your own. Good gosh. <laughs> what were you saying, dear? I was saying, why can't you listen to a news broadcast like anyone else? You don't see other people spreading maps all over the floor. For your information, my pet, General MacArthur would rather be caught dead than listen to a news broadcast without his maps. Well, if it makes you and General MacArthur happy, by... Dad! Oh, what is it, bud? It's in the wash. What is? My denim shirt and the pants, too. Well, then wear something else. But I've got the denim pants on. <laughs> what denim pants? Yours. <laughs> bud! Jim... He's going on a hayride, and I didn't want him to wear any of his good clothes, and I knew you wouldn't mind. Bud. Yes, Dad? Take the denim shirt. Thanks, Dad. You're a pal. Oh. And Margaret. Yes, dear? In the future, please let me handle the trouser concession. All right, dear. Gotten so a man can't call his pants his own. Uh, Anytime I want to wear something, Bud has it on. Jim, you've done nothing but yawn ever since you got home. Why don't you go to bed? I'm going to bed right after the news broadcast. And I'd give ten bucks to be able to sleep until noon. Well, tomorrow's Sunday. Why don't you? Golf, eight o'clock. Oh, Jim. Hi, parents. What cooks for the do and don't department? The what? Uh, never mind, Margaret. She just came in on a flying saucer. We're not supposed to understand. Oh, <laughs> Father. Don't pay any attention to her, and she'll probably dissolve into thin air. <laughs> what is it, Betty? I thought you had a date with Dick Andrews. Oh, there's lots of time. Look, which nail polish do you like best? If that isn't a weird setup. Betty, you aren't going out that way, are you? With eight different shades of nail polish? Of course not. But which one do you like best? The one you've got on your thumbs. I don't have any on my thumbs. That's the one I like best. <laughs> Mother. They all look very nice, dear. And I really think you ought to get dressed. Oh, pretty soon. I was just thinking about the piece of apple pie that was left over from dinner. Well, it's in the icebox. It won't be for long. Creepers, if somebody only tell me which shade they like best, I wouldn't have all this trouble. Oh, good grief. Anytime I decide to go to bed early... I'll get it. But can't you learn to walk down the stairs? One of these days, the whole house is going to collapse. Did you want me, Dan? No, just answer the door. 
That's what I was going to do. Well, go ahead. Didn't you want something? I want you to see who rang the doorbell. I heard you call me, and I thought you wanted something. Bud. Yes, Dad? Please answer the door. You bet, Dad, right away. I think he lies in bed at night trying to figure out ways to torment me. <laughs> no, dear, you're just tired, and after you've had a good night's rest, everything will seem much brighter. Well, I hope you're right. And I don't care who it is, Margaret, I'm not going to stay up after 10 o'clock. No, dear, but we can't be rude, can we? Maybe you can't, but I can. <laughs> 10 o'clock is my limit. Who is it, bud? It was Willie Freehopper, and boy, did he ever look funny. His hat was way down over his ears, and he said he couldn't help it because that was the only size they had. But if they can't get one to fit him, he's going to stuff it full of newspaper, and then he thinks it'll fit better. What did he want? Hmm? Oh, he brought a telegram. Here you are, Dad. Uh, just any time at all. We'll be fine. <laughs> you should have seen him, Mom. He had this Western Union hat on, and you could hardly see his face. And he had to hold his head way back like this. No! Yes, he did, Dad. You see, he had the hat way in the back. She can't come. Not again. Jim, it isn't your Aunt Martha. It certainly is my Aunt Martha. Oh. Look at it. Arrive Sunday, be at depot with children, 8 o'clock, Aunt Martha. Didn't even say love. <laughs> and it's only nine words. It wouldn't have cost her anything. <laughs> Jim. Just a minute, honey. But... Aren't you supposed to go on a hayride? Sure. Well, go ahead. I don't have to leave for ten minutes. Uh, dear, your father and I have something to discuss. Oh, okay. I was just thinking. Remember the piece of apple pie that was left over from dinner? Betty thought of it first. What? She's in the kitchen with it now. She had two pieces for dinner. Betty, wait a minute. I want to talk to you. Jim, why doesn't your Aunt Martha ever give us more notice? I don't know, honey. Now I've got to work all night to tidy up the house. Oh, it looks fine, just the way it, it is. It doesn't at all, and you know how fussy she is. Sure, she's afraid she might get a little dust on one of her thousand-dollar bills. <laughs> oh, crab. Jim? Free room and board at the Andersons. No wonder she's rich. She never spends anything. <laughs> Jim, Kathy's coming. Old buzzard. A fine Sunday I'm going to have. Kathy, where on earth have you been? In the kitchen. I was watching Betty make a sandwich. A sandwich? What happened to the pie? I ate it. <laughs> Why aren't you in bed? It isn't time. It certainly is time. It's almost nine o'clock. It isn't even eight o'clock. Kathy, stop arguing with me and go to bed. But you said I could stay up until 8.30. Well, look at the hall clock. It's almost nine. No, dear, it isn't quite five minutes of eight. And besides... Oh, I guess I forgot to tell you. I turned all the clocks back. You did? Jim, whatever on earth for? Because tomorrow is the last Sunday in September. We go back to standard time at two o'clock. And I certainly don't intend to get up at two o'clock in the morning to fix a bunch of clocks. <laughs> Jim, you aren't supposed to turn the clocks back. You're supposed to turn them ahead. Margaret... The principle of daylight saving is to save daylight, right? Yes. So but... you turn the clocks back in September and gain the hour you lost in April. <laughs> That's uh, simple enough, isn't it? If you turn them back, dear, how can you gain anything? You gain the hour you lost because you get it over again. 
You have the same hour twice. You can't gain anything by going backward. You have to go forward. Not with clocks, you don't. You turn them back. Daddy. What is it, Kathy? You turned them back in April. I did not turn them back in April. I turned them ahead. Jim. You said in April that we gained an hour of daylight. That's right, because it stayed early later. I mean, it... <laughs> it got later early. Margaret, the sun stayed up longer. <laughs> Why? Because it got late later. <laughs> Kathy, I think you'd better go to bed. But Daddy said we lost an hour in April, and he turned the clocks backwards. Now we ought to turn them frontwards. Kathleen, no matter what I did in April, tomorrow we do not turn the clocks ahead. No? No. I already did. <laughs> Kathy. Jim, she was only doing what she thought was right. Well, she had no business doing anything. If you don't understand the principle of daylight saving, you don't move the clocks around. But Mommy said... Never mind what Mommy said. You didn't see her changing the clocks, did you? No. Jim. Yes? I moved them ahead, too. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure that's what you're supposed to do. The paper said you gained an hour. You gain an hour by turning the clocks back. Well, what time is it? How do I know the way everybody gets the clocks all messed up? Betty? Yes, Father? What time does it say on the kitchen clock? A quarter of four. <laughs> well, that's a great help. What's all the fuss about, Dad? Oh, nothing, nothing at all. It's just that people shouldn't mess around with things they don't understand. Daddy's mad because I moved the clocks ahead. It's perfectly all right, dear. You meant well. I didn't know I was going to get everything mixed up. You don't have to worry, Dad. Kathy didn't spoil anything. What do you mean? Well, she told me she turned the clocks ahead, so I turned them back. <laughs> What? You didn't turn them back. You couldn't. Why couldn't I? Because I turned them back, too. <laughs> oh, Betty. Well, I thought I was just making it the right time. Jim, where are you going? I'm going to find out what time it is. You've got the clocks in this house so mixed up, we can't tell if it's Wednesday or Friday. Daddy, it's Saturday. Thank you very much. At the tone, the time will be 8.58. And 40 seconds. There, now we know. From now on, please leave the clocks alone. What time is it, dear? What she said, 8.50, uh, uh, one minute to nine. Nine? To nine? Gosh, I ought to be in bed. Good night, everybody. Oh, Mother, I'm half an hour late now, and I've got on eight shades of nail polish. What am I going to do? Holy cow, I missed the whole hayride. Betty, stop moaning. Get dressed and go. But my nails... They'll never notice the nails. I'm ruined. My whole life is ruined. Good night, everybody. The last hayride of the year, and I missed it. Maybe they waited for you, bud. They couldn't. There was a rule. No waiting for anybody. Are you sure? Sure, I'm sure. I made up the rule. <laughs> Daddy! You know, this whole thing is very interesting. It merely proves what I've been telling you for years. If you don't understand something, leave it alone. You see what happened? 
Betty's late for her date. Bud missed his hayride. And what time was your broadcast, dear? Eight o'clock. Oh, my gosh. Daddy. Not now, please, Kathy. Everybody be quiet. And so we bring to a close this full hour of news broadcasting from around the world. Tune in again. Jim, dear. Uh, what was it you wanted to say, Kathy? Good night, everybody. All right, bud. Let's watch where we're going. What? You're bumping into everybody. Pardon me. Betty, hold your brother's eyes open. I'll hold them open, Daddy. You should have seen them stare at me, Father. You'd have thought I was a freak or something. Just because my nails didn't match. Pardon me. Fine telegram. Doesn't say what train she's coming on or where she's leaving from. Just be there at 8 o'clock. Daddy, I can't reach his eyes. Shall I stick him with a pin? Never mind, Kathy. Skip the whole thing. Gee whiz. Pardon me. All right, Bud. That's enough. Let's wake up. Bud. Why don't we just prop him up against a post and pretend we don't know him? Uh, He'll come to in a little while. Bud? Bud! Breakfast. Hmm? What? (laughs) All right. Now stay awake. Somebody said breakfast. They did? Well, whoever could it have been? Hey, we're at the station. How do we get down here? <laughs> we'll uh, draw your diagram as soon as we find Aunt Martha. What happened to the information booth? It's in back of the magazine stand. Where'd they move the magazine stand? It's right over there, Daddy. See? Stick everything into a corner where you can't see it. Come on, bud. This is no time to sit down. People get arrested for yelling fire when there isn't any fire. Why should she yell breakfast when there isn't any breakfast? It was a joke, Dopey. Some joke. Well, it woke you up. I was waking up anyway. You didn't have to yell breakfast. And Cornelia said, These are my jewels, my children. What? <laughs> Never mind, I was just mumbling. Here's the information booth, Daddy. Thank you, Kathy. You're a great help. I am? You certainly are. Boy, is this a mixed-up morning. I uh, beg your pardon. We have a wire from an aunt of mine telling us to meet her here at 8 o'clock, and we don't know exactly where she's coming from, so could you give us any information about any train that's supposed to arrive here anywhere in the neighborhood of that time? Eh. I said we have a wire from an aunt of mine. Uh, What do you mean you don't know where she's coming from? Well, my aunt was staying with my cousins in Bedford. That's where the wire came from, and there isn't any train in Bedford. So? Well, Bedford's halfway between Lancaster and New Canaan, and there's a station in Lancaster on the Lackawanna and St. Paul, and a station in New Canaan on the Springfield and Northern... Uh, Wait a minute. This is the information desk. I'm supposed to be telling you. (laughs) 
let's not stand on ceremonies. Is there a train from either place at 8 o'clock? Uh, which 8 o'clock? Eastern, Central, Mountain, or Pacific Coast? <laughs> Suppose we try Central. Oh, let me see. Hmm. Nope. No train at 8 o'clock. How about Eastern? Oh, here we are. New Canaan. Eight o'clock? Eleven thirty. <laughs> Look, is there any train due in here at eight o'clock? A.M. or P.M.? I don't know. She just said to meet her at eight o'clock. Well, wait till I get my book. I'll look it up. You do that. Father, Bud's asleep again. Eh, let him sleep. One of us might as well be having a good time. Where's Kathy? I don't know. Kathy! All you have to do is leave her alone for ten seconds. Kathy! She was standing right next to me a minute ago. Well, see if you can find her before she breaks one of the locomotives. <laughs> Bud. Bud! Hmm? We've lost Kathy. Good. <laughs> Bud. Do you want me to say it again? No, just go find your sister. Okay. Kathy! Kathy! Attention, please. This is your last call for the new Westerner, leaving on track four for Plainfield, Rockville, Middletown, Fitzville, Madison, and Plymouth Junction. The dining car is forward and is now open for breakfast. Hmm? What? <laughs> but we can't find Kathy. Somebody said breakfast. <laughs> We'll all have breakfast in a few minutes. Why don't you go look for Kathy? Where'd she go? We don't know where she went. Just look for her. Holy cow. Wake you up in the middle of the night, and then you can't even have your breakfast. Well, I got all the information for you on that 8 o'clock train. Fine. There isn't any. <laughs> but there must be. She said to meet her at 8 o'clock. We got one at 7.45. Well, that's close enough. Which one is it? It don't run on Sunday. <laughs> I have a telegram right here in my pocket. I'll show it to you. Were you calling me, Daddy? Where have you been? I was looking at the comics. Well, where are they? On the magazine stand. Oh, those comics. <laughs> what happened to Betty and Bud? I don't know. Did they get lost? They're looking for you. But I'm here. See that you stay here. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I guess we're a little confused this morning. You're a little confused. People come up and they don't know where they're going. Oh, I'm sorry. Eight o'clock, seven o'clock, Eastern, Central. How am I supposed to figure it out? Some of them don't even know where the people are coming from. <laughs> That's me. Oh. Well, now what are we supposed to do? Shall we dance? <laughs> All right, Betty, I found her. I wasn't lost. Oh, Father, the most horrible thing just happened. You found Aunt Martha. <laughs> I got a run in my stocking. Oh. I can't walk around here like this. Look at it. Dad. What is it, Bud? There's a big cafeteria over at the other end, and you can get all kinds of breakfast. Later, Bud, later. <laughs> For only 85 cents, you can get eggs and cereal and milk I and... said later. And everything. Look, miss, I want you to read the telegram for yourself. Arrive Sunday, be at depot with children at 8 o'clock. Now, what could be clearer than that? What depot? This depot. How many depots are there in Springfield? Uh, train depot, 
Freight Depot? Bus Depot? Bus Depot? Oh, no. Is something wrong, Daddy? She probably came in on a bus. Is there a bus from Bedford at 8 o'clock? Mister, I got enough trouble keeping track of the train. <laughs> Betty, what time is it? 8.15. Oh, the poor thing. She's probably sitting in the bus depot worrying about us. We'd better get right over there. Oh, hey, wait a minute. There's a 7 o'clock train from New Canaan. Maybe that's the one she meant. She said 8 o'clock. It never gets in until 8. Well, where is it? It won't be in until 9. <laughs> oh, my aching back. Now what do we do? Well, why don't we split up, Father? You go to the bus depot and we'll stay here. All right. Why don't I go home? <laughs> You're going to stay here and meet Aunt Martha, all of you. But maybe she got tired of waiting and took a cab. That's got nothing to do with it. I'm going to the bus depot, and you're going to stay here. Father, what if she did take a cab? With her own money? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Daddy! And I don't want any trouble with you. I didn't do anything. I was just thinking. Me too. Why don't you call Mommy and tell her what happened? What? And then if Aunt Martha calls, she can tell her not to worry. Say, that's a very good idea. Thank you, Kathy. You're welcome. <laughs> well, we'll call your mother and get her straightened out, and then I'll take off at the bus depot. The phone's right here, Daddy. Thank you, Kathy. I don't know what I'd have done without you today. Father. What is it, Betty? Do we all have to stay here? I mean, couldn't you take Kathy with you? I'll be glad to take her with me. She's a joy and a pleasure compared with some of my numbskull children. What did we do? Hello? Oh, Margaret, this is Jim. Oh, Jim, I've been trying to reach you all over town. Honey, if Aunt Martha calls, tell her I'm on my way over to the bus depot. Jim. And I'm leaving the kids at the station in case she's on the 7 o'clock train. Jim. And no matter what she says, tell her she's not to worry. Jim. Margaret, I haven't got time to talk. Jim, will you please listen to me? Yes, dear. What is it? Right after you left, we got another telegram from Aunt Martha. She isn't coming. Oh, no. <laughs> It's an ill wind that blows no good, and civilization goes forward on a succession of disasters such as those which constantly befall the Andersons. Take, we'll take the sad events of the past weekend. They had their effect on the progress of man in a great many ways. For example, in the arts. I'm a success, Mother. I'm a success. Oh? I'm the biggest thing in Springfield since Hattie Carnegie. Betty, will you please stand still? Do you know what happened in school today? Every girl on the campus was wearing eight shades of nail polish. The sciences. Did you know that the Roostoxacodendron emits a glucoside that causes violent itching even after it's all dried up? Roos what? Poison ivy. What about it? It was mixed up with the hay and everybody who went on the ride is sick in bed. <laughs> and general education. I was the only one in the whole class who knew about daylight savings. Well, that's fine, dear. And next April when the clocks go back... Kathy. Mm -mm -mm. 
They don't go back in April. They go ahead. Oh, I know. I mean, when they go back on daylight saving. What about it? Well, I'll just know why. That's all. Good. Jim. Yes, Margaret. I understand all about the clocks and why you turn them back. Yes. But I certainly think someone ought to tell the newspapers. What? Well, they're the ones who get everybody confused. If they just said we lose an hour, then naturally we turn the clocks back. But we don't lose an hour. We gain an hour. If you turn the clocks back... Margaret, you get the hour over again. That's why they say you gain an hour. If it's 8 o'clock and you turn your watch back to 7 o'clock, then you've got 60 whole minutes to live over again. If you turn them ahead, you skip an hour and you lose it. That's why the newspapers say... again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. So until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee, always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Dragnet, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Gunsmoke, followed by Life with Luigi. Thanks to Joe Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.